Hey everyone, welcome to another Game of Thrones Tower of Babel Breakdown. This is for Season 2, Episode 10, Valar Morghulis. I keep saying it wrong. I feel yeah. like I'm saying it wrong. <laughs> Valar Morghulis. Okay, you, you say it from now on. Yeah. Uh, as always, I'm Julian Misha. I'm joined by Daniel D'Souza. Yo. And we are here to break down, like I said, the final episode of Season 2. But this is from a rewatch perspective. So we are going to be spoiling everything, obviously, through Season 1 and 2. But also everything all the way up to the beginning of season eight, end of season seven uh, of the final season. So if you're uh, not a fan of spoilers of that, of, of that variety, I would say go watch everything through the end of season seven, come back, rewatch season one and season two, and then you'll be caught up. You'll be just right where we are and then uh, leading into the final season. It's like exciting stuff. Really, yeah. there's really no closer season that ties in <laughs> to the final season than season two. So... Although it does actually have a lot of, of, of well, nice Of course it does. Yeah. It's always going to. Okay. So before we get into breaking down the episode itself, a little bit of house cleaning to do. <laughs> and uh, just remind everyone to follow us on Twitter at Tower Ravelcast, Facebook.com slash Tower Ravelcast, and head over to our website, TowerBabble.ca to find everything that we do, including our general flagship podcast, uh, the Tower Babble podcast that uh, we just reviewed. Shazam, and that's actually posted now. We just posted it, so you can find that in the feed as well as on the website. Uh, it's two weeks early, technically, because we went to an early screening. It doesn't uh, premiere for you know two more weeks. Uh, so we do give a spoiler warning. We do give a brief non-spoiler review, and then we jump into spoilers because we can't help ourselves. So if you're looking to um, spoil yourself on Shazam, that's the place to go. Um, okay. Oh, Patreon. We should mention our Patreon page. Uh, we are going to be doing live breakdowns. That's what we're doing right now. This, this show is live, and we're going to be doing shows just like this live immediately following the season eight broadcasts from HBO. Just a quick uh, reaction episode, answering some questions, boom, boom, boom. And then we'll be doing a full normal episode later on that won't be live. But those live episodes will be exclusive to Patreon subscribers. So you can go over to patreon.com slash towerbabblecast and for as little as $5 a month, that's one Starbucks coffee. I always remind people. Um, you can help support the show and get bonus content. Um, also, our season eight preview episode is going to be Patreon exclusive as well. So if you are looking for that, that'll be next week. That'll be the Tuesday. It'll be posting Tuesday, the April 2nd. Um, does that make sense? Although it should mm, Probably. Yeah, somewhere around there. Um, <laughs> Or it might be coming out earlier, depending on how we want to do it. It'll be no later than April 2nd. <laughs> um, and uh, that'll be, again, breaking down our, our thoughts on where we're going and what we're, where we're at. Thoughts and into, predictions. Yeah, into season eight. Okay. Have I missed anything? Is there anything I should no, touch let's on? Let's just get going here. All right. Let's jump right in. Season two, episode 10, Valar Mogulis, written by Benny Offenweiss, directed by Alan Taylor. Good, good, good trio of people there. Uh, it's a classic bed. combination. Yeah, yeah, it is. And we start at King's Landing and we open with Tyrion's eye. <clears throat> There's two shots that are like this in this episode and they they really like them. <laughs> um, so it's like super close into Tyrion's eye and you like seeing the reflections of the battle from the previous episode and then it fades and it gets lighter and he wakes up and he's in a room and he, he sees Mas uh, Meister Pycelle and 
looking very smug. Yeah, super smug. <laughs> well, which is weird, right? Because he just he did just bandage his wounds, right? Presumably, you would think so. Yeah. So he like it's like ha ha, you didn't die, but I did fix you. <laughs> but it's it's not only that he he's smug because Tyrion's lost all his power now that right. Tywin's back. He's he's no longer acting hand of the king. Mm-hmm. He's just some Lannister guy and also been maimed horribly. Right. Uh, anyway, Tyrion calls for Podrick, tells him to go find Bronn or Barriss and tell them that he's alive. It's interesting that those are the two people. It right? is. I mean, they, they do this whole thing where Tyrion and Varys become like friends. Um, so he, there's there's a level of trust, although it isn't fully established at this point. I can definitely see later on in the series. Obviously, they both work with Daenerys yeah. and they become closer. But at mm-hmm. this point, it, it's weird for They're him to colleagues, trust colleagues, right? Like, yeah. they'd be like saying... Let me call my boss right away. Like when I wake up in the, the not, hospital. Not only that, they're they're also to a degree kind of like rivals. You know, like yeah. they, that's King's Landing. They're all sort of schemers, and, and Varys is a known schemer. Uh, so it's weird for Tyrion to trust him to this right. level. Anyway, so that's that's who he calls for, and uh, then Pycelle smugly kind of breaks down how he's broken. You know, he's lost all of his power, like you said. Um, <clears throat> no longer the hand of the king, and relegated to this like basement room with books everywhere. So right. what's also interesting about this, it's very subtle. Um, Pycelle's not doing his doddering old man routine, right? He's just, mm-hmm. he's being his regular self. I noticed that too. He's just standing totally normal. Like, cause his voice is different, everything. Yeah. Which we rarely get to see, like almost never on right. the show. And he's just like, yeah, you got nothing left there, bro. See ya. And then, and then leaves him to be. Right. And uh, so kind of sucks, right? Because we know that how much Tyrion worked to save the city and now he gets no recognition for it. No appreciation. No. No. Uh, then we go to the throne room, and we start with a shot of a cow pooping. It's a horse. People ride horses, not <laughs> it's cows. A horse. <laughs> Sorry, it's a horse. I was thinking cow pie. I was thinking cow pie. <laughs> Imagine how different the world would be if people rode cows into battle. <laughs> it's so much slower. There's so much slower. Um, it's a different... They're not... Okay, so, yeah. Another four-legged hooved animal, whatever. Sure. Um, I was thinking cow pie because I couldn't think of it. But I said, ended up saying poop anyway, so it doesn't really matter. Right. Um, it was some horse crap, uh, literally. Yeah. And so what do you think they're trying to say there? Like, There's obviously some symbolism, right? Yeah. Uh, and, and this is also from a time when the show was, was uh, following the books a bit more closely. So this is something that just happens in the books. In the books, Tywin comes in, you know, resplendent in his How armor. ridiculous. Wait, like, so they're like, they're, they're so um, adamant at adhering to the books that they literally shot this scene so that the, the cow yeah, crapped himself. You got to stop saying cow, man. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think the idea is, okay, so Tywin comes in resplendent in his armor, right? He's save, the savior of the city. Um, you know, he he's a god amongst men. And then the horse still craps. It's like, you know... He he likes to think of himself, and everyone else puts him sort of on a pedestal, mm-hmm. and that's sort of symbolic of him. He's still a man. He's still just some guy, just, albeit one of the most powerful men in Westeros. Uh, but it's just like a, a little undercutting and a little realism, right? Um, he rides in. He gets uh, a big thank you from Joffrey. Everyone's everyone's. There's a big show happening here, right? right? Everyone's thanking Tywin for for winning the battle, and then. It's it's really weird because Tywin comes in, he gets a thank, and then he just rides out. He's like in there for like five seconds. Uh, well, all yeah. this work for, because horses yeah. shit all over the place. <laughs> it wasn't like, get out of here before he shits again. Yeah, uh, and then Joffrey gives Lord Baelish, Littlefinger, Harrenhal, right? Second time. This is number two, I believe. Right? Harrenhal's been given away. 
Yeah, I went to yeah. Jano Slint first. Right. So it's actually probably more than that because like in the time between Jano Slint, he never actually lived there, but he he right. was technically the Lord of Harrenhal. Um, Gregor Clegane uh, was just there, I guess, squatting, but he took yeah, over. Yeah, that's not really the same. He Tywin, didn't have Tywin the, he didn't have the rights. Legally, right? this is the, the second time it's legally changed yeah. names in recent history. So he's given Harrenhal um, as thanks for brokering the deal between uh, the Lannisters and the Tyrells. Right. Never steps foot in there either, actually, Littlefinger. Oh, yeah. Well, never. No. Yeah, that's a good point. Well, we don't know. Maybe he does at some point. Sure. We don't off screen it somewhere. I don't know. Who knows? But no, it's like it's right in the middle of the war. They're, they're, it's always occupied by one opposing force. Yeah. He, Littlefinger makes a funny joke about like how he needs to acquire some sons and grandsons. Everyone seems to like that. Then uh, Joffrey asks Lord Loris Tyrell. He's not Lord. He's, he's not just, Lord. He's just Loris. He's just Sir Loris. Sir Loris Tyrell. Knight. And his fan, like, so he basically says, "Hey, Mister Tyrell, what can we do for you and your family for helping us?" Right? And uh, he says that he would like nothing more for Joffrey to join their houses in marriage. And obviously, this is um, orchestrated already by Marjorie. It's very funny how he stumbles on the whole like virgin thing. He's like, mm-hmm. she's um, uh, it, it wasn't consummated, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so Sansa's looking on during this whole period. She's like, oh my, what's happening? Who knows? Marjorie puts on this whole like, like act and like woos Joffrey. Like, I fell in love with you from afar. It's it comes off as one of the most like disingenuous that. You know, that which it is, know, you know, but it comes off that way yeah. more than almost any of her others because she really seems like as much as she she plays the Game of Thrones really well, she usually seems more believable. This feels really just like theatrical. It's a bit over yeah. the top, you know, especially when she says like the feelings lodged yeah. deep inside. Yeah, me. that was weird. <laughs> like, really, that's how you describe. Interesting. Okay. Especially because like this deal's already made. It's not like you got to convince him. Like she's trying to like seduce him there. Right? Yeah. In front of everybody. Right. Yeah. Uh, And then what happens? So this is actually really interesting. So Joffrey says, you know, wish I could. Already promised. I made a promise and and a king's got to keep his promise, which is like, that's surprising that he would answer that way. Right. Also comes full circle later on in this episode. Yeah, we're Rob being a king who doesn't keep his yeah. promise, but whatever. Yeah. And Joffrey, obviously, yeah, like you said, this is all a show. They've, they've, this is all planned ahead of time. Well, you think so? Yeah, one hundred percent. I don't, I don't get Joff- that impression. Joffrey was coached what to do here, just like he was coached how to handle Ned Stark. He just chose not to in that case. In this case, it's something that he wants. Mm. I didn't get that impression. So anyway, he he does say that he can't. He says it twice, maybe three times. He says it once that he can't because he's promised to another. Mm-hmm. And then Cersei tells him, you know what? That's fine. She's the daughter of a traitor. Yeah. Her brother's in open rebellion. You can set that aside. And then he re- he rejects that a second time because he's sworn a holy vow. So right. the idea is, first, he has to show that he's an honorable king. He's going to keep mm-hmm. his word. Second, he has to show that he's godly and pious. So all of this, again... It does make more sense this that it would be orchestrated because otherwise he would not act that never. way. Never. This is all yeah. Tywin. Tywin is telling everybody what to do here. Okay. All right. So... That's what's happening. Yeah. So eventually they agree that Sansa is not going to wed Joffrey anymore and it's going to be Marjorie. And then Sansa like walks off and he's like, yes. Yeah. Cause she wasn't aware. Yeah. Well, she didn't, she wasn't aware and she also didn't want to marry him anyway. Right. But then Littlefinger comes in and is like, whoa, 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 not so fast. You think you're happy about this? Don't be so happy about this. Of course, he says that all 
with like a really gross kind of like creepy tinge to it all. But that's kind of everything Littlefinger ever says, though, right? Yeah, but not like this comes off differently because it's 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 similar to the way that the Hound was talking. Yeah, to Sansa. And, and it's even like, more predatory. Weird. Yeah, and it's weird because he like he sought her out right away. Like he yeah. ran up those stairs like, to get there. <laughs> Just, wait, 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 wait. <laughs> you were smiling too much just now. I got to make sure. Yeah, exactly. And like the way he says like, you know, your mother was like a, a sister to me. And like, I see so much of you. And I could like, we already know you'd never thought of her as a sister. So unless you think of her as the same way that Jamie thinks of his sisters. Right. <laughs> you know? Uh, so yeah. What do you, what do you make of this whole, this whole pageantry? Well, yeah, the, the pageant stuff we, we've talked about, the, the little finger and Sansa thing. Again, I don't know why he would go out of his way to tell her this, aside from the fact that he's trying to put her off balance so that she relies on him. He right? also does promise to take her home, right? Right. So yeah. it's about planting those seeds that ends up becoming a huge part of Sansa's story mm-hmm. is her reliance on Littlefinger and eventually overcoming that. But she learns a lot of lessons from him initially. But right now she's still a little kid scared and he's her only lifeline, right? Right. So moving on. We go to Littlefinger's brothel, and Varys uh, goes to visit Roz for some reason, and asks if she's happy in her current position. She's ba- he's basically a recruiter. <laughs> yeah, well, she, he, he wants her to act yeah. as a double agent, right? And when she tries to grab his junk, she freaks out and realizes who he is, which is weird that she didn't know ahead of time, but it's fine. She knew of him. Everybody knows of him. Not everyone yeah. knows what he looks like. Part of his whole role is to be secretive, right? Right. And uh, he says that he protects his employees and like alluding to those times that she's been beaten up at the hands of, of Joffrey yeah. and his flunkies. And uh, <laughs> so there's a good line here where Varys is, is like, you know, when Littlefinger looks at you, all he sees is a collection of profitable holes, which is like, really cuts right to the like to the bone you know yeah but he sees a partner which i think is also a lie but that's yeah he's just another person trying to use her but use her in a different way yeah maybe in a more fair like listen everyone's getting used all the time i'm fine with being used from being if i'm being compensated compensated properly right so anyway she says she's afraid ross says she's afraid of little finger and he says you have absolutely every right to be afraid of him he's a scary guy should be afraid of him um, and that's kind of where it's left, uh, kind of alluding to his weaknesses and saying, well, you know, everyone has a weakness. I didn't happen to know some of his, right? So what is he alluding to here exactly? In terms of Littlefinger's weaknesses? Yeah. Hard to say. He does He does play it pretty close to the chest for the most part. He likes to, to seem like he's weak in certain areas, but that's all part of his game, right? Um, I would say obviously his actual weakness is Catelyn and Sansa. Right. Um, Do you think... Well, Varys wouldn't know that. He I wouldn't know think. that. And even if he did, he never acts on it. As yeah. far, so, um, <clears throat> aside from that, it's money, right? That's that seems to be like He's a motivated prim- by primary motivating right. factor. Yeah. If you can, yeah. If you take, if you and if you heard him in his, his pocketbook, he'll take that very seriously. And also, Littlefinger considers himself to be very clever. So, if you call that into question, um, not directly, but if you you know insinuate and. and, and you know, make him believe that you think you're getting the better of him. It might incite him a bit more. He might be weak to that. Mm-hmm. It's a little complicated, but yeah. I mean, I I find this this scene to be interesting that it's placed in this episode, right? Because it's like 
basically going to get completely forgotten by the time you come around to season three. Well, I think three. in season three, she does end up acting as a double agent, right? So yeah. she, she works with Varys as well. I feel like this step, that, that being said, I still think that this, this yeah, scene I, might work better in the early episodes of sure. season three than in the yeah. final episode of season two. So cutting to Jamie and Brienne. Jamie is bugging her about being a virgin, right? Just He's just finding those buttons to press with Brienne. And they come across uh, some hanging ladies, but they're hanging from the neck. They're dead. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and a sign that says laid with lions. And then Jamie, you know, calls out to, to Brienne saying like, you know, you work for the Starks. Is the Stark men that did this, right? I think they're so, so honorable. She says, I don't work for the Starks. I work for Lady Catelyn. It's a weird distinction to make, but. But it's there. Because she is a Stark. So it's very, again, that's fine. And uh, but so, the, this mission that she's on to deliver Jamie to yeah, King's Landing is specifically a Catelyn, and it's also very anti-Stark, yeah. right? So she says she's going to bury them, right? And before she can do that, three Stark dudes come around the uh, the corner. The and you know they're Stark men because they're all wearing the same clothes that Ned wore, right? <laughs> and uh, and they have accents, yeah, Northern accents, exactly, which is fine to say it's just like a it's like a just a rougher british accent i guess it, like you couldn't if someone said listen to these five different accents from game of thrones like, would you be able to decipher where i remember from? hearing a story i don't know how true this is <laughs> um this might be anecdotal but uh sean bean when he was part of what became part of the show they mm-hmm. were asking him if he could do different types of accents because they wanted the starks to yeah. have a more I, I don't i'm not well versed on all the different you know mm-hmm. the dialects. uk accents uh, there's there's a few of them, but he's he's Northern Irish, right? That's mm-hmm. his accent, and he and like they had all the other characters doing these like trying out new accents, right. and he was just like, no, <laughs> like I'm just gonna do Northern. Just, I'm just gonna do Northern. And so they Irish. made everyone else try to like Im- like imitate his accent a little bit for the <laughs> That's North. Funny. I don't know if that is true. There's or not, similar but. stories about that in other with other ones too, with uh, Sean Bean specifically. Not with Sean Bean, but with other in other uh, mediums and like okay. not other mediums, but like other shows and other and other movies and stuff, right? Um, I'm trying to think of the the best example of what that was. Ah, it'll come to me later. Um, where everyone had to do the same accent. Oh, it was it was, it was uh, Wonder Woman. So <laughs> uh, Gal Gadot is Israeli, yeah. right? So she was cast as Wonder Woman first. So all of the um, other Amazon. uh, Amazons had to do like an Israeli accent okay, okay. to to like match her accent, which is yeah. very funny. Right. Uh, okay. Anyway, so these three guys come around the corner and they're like, well, what are you doing here? Right. You know, who's this dude? Yada, yada. They start questioning them and they look like they're about to get away, like get away with it. And the guy's like, wait, I recognize that guy. He's Jamie Lannister. He's like, you don't know what he looks like. And they're like, okay, wait a minute. If he's not Jamie Lannister, this is like a, such a clever thing to do, by the way. This, this yeah, one he, random he got it right start away. guy. He's like, if he's not Jamie Lannister, at the same time, I'll count to three, say his name. And they're like, one, Shit. two. And then uh, I, I wish they would try it. I wish they would like to see if they just like. <laughs> um, and anyway, she Lay just, me she, Janister. She, she, she just murders them. She just brutally murders them. And then one of them slowly, because they said that he'd killed two of the three women quickly and not the third, yeah. which is. You don't even know if that was true. You just, you but know. He, he's, yeah, he's saying it and he's bragging about it. Yeah. And 
anyway, so he, she stabs him through the like through the dick. Basically. No, well, I, yeah. it's hard to say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It seemed like it was like his lower stomach. No, I don't Either think so. Either way, it was a slower, like, yeah, a, much a more painful death. death. Yeah, exactly. And then she buries them, presumably. Cuts them down at least. It's how, bury them with what? You don't have no like shovel, her sword. Yeah. <laughs> All knights come with spades. Mm. You know, knights come in spades on the show. <laughs> It's an audio podcast, but yeah, I'm really, right. I'm shaking my head right now. Uh, all right. Anything else you want to say about this scene? I mean, it's just more that Jamie, uh, it's just Brian banter provoking her yeah. or trying to, it doesn't work as well this time. Well, she actually gets to take out some of her frustrations on these guys. Mm-hmm. That's true. And then she gets to say, see, I don't work for the Starks. He has right. that like last little like dig. Okay. So we cut to Rob and Catelyn. And I like this scene a lot. And Kat is telling Rob not to marry Talisa. And she lists a couple of reasons why. She says, well, you made an oath. That's a pretty big one. Ding, ding, right? ding. Um, and <laughs> the other one is Walder Frey's a dangerous person to cross, right? Don't want to do that. Turns out, yeah. Um, if you treat your oaths recklessly, so will your, so will your people, right? And uh, she says that, hey, you know, it's not all that bad. I didn't know Ned when I, when we were, you know, engaged right in fact she was she was promised to his older brother who died and then she was given to ned right she knew him even less so and she, and it, look how that will all worked out anyway uh rob's not having it it's also it's it's tough for cat at this point because her kind of her position's kind of been undercut by her previous actions by freeing jamie right if that hadn't happened, he might be more willing to listen to her. Hey Amen. Good advice is good advice. It doesn't matter who it comes from. Yeah, but you have to you you can see it on his face here. No, yeah, I get it, right? and, he's, and he says as much later yeah. on. It's just in a vacuum. You got to take that. Obviously, I'm not. You know, I'm just in general. Mm-hmm. In a vacuum, good advice is good advice. The best line in this whole scene is when she's like, "He's like, but I love her." It's like, and she's like, "I know you think that's important now, because <laughs> it's like it's such a mom thing to say, right. like." You're not old enough to have perspective on this. Like, listen to me. I'm. I have the perspective. Take my advice. Yeah, we were all seventeen yeah, once. Exactly. You know. Yeah. He's like, she's like, it might not be as as fun as what did she say? Like, uh, forest passions in the forest or something like that, which is weird for your mom to say, but to you. But like, he, she's really trying to give him good advice, and he doesn't take it. Is really what it comes down to. Anything else you want to say about this? I just really I liked the. I mean, the yeah. No, you're right. You're right. She's right, one hundred percent. And it obviously we all know how this ends up. It comes back to to haunt Rob and Catelyn. Actually, they're both made victims of that decision. Mm-hmm. Um, on to Stannis and Melisandre. I know you know how I love a good a Stannis scene. You know I love a good Stannis. Scene. Uh, yeah, I know. Yeah, and this one is not as good as as the others, but it's still pretty good. So he's pretty mad <laughs> at her specifically uh, because she said. He's like, yo, you said you saw the victory in the flames. And she's like, well, I did. And he's like, well, did we win? And <laughs> she, he's like, well, no. Um, so he's like doubting himself. He's doubting the trust he put in her. He calls himself like a crazy person, essentially. A, a, a fanatic. A fanatic for trusting in her. And he is. Not only in her, but in the foreign god. Like yeah. it's, it's a huge risk to mm-hmm. take, especially if you're trying to take Westeros that doesn't recognize that god whatsoever. Right. Right? And then she tries to give him like some like, some advice like, well, you just lost the battle. You didn't lose the war. And he's like, well, what the fuck do you know about war? And then chokes her out. And like, 
Where's your God now? Huh? Where's your God? Say it. Say my name. <laughs> and um, and then she she almost she just like gives up. She's like just let lets it kind of happen, and then he lets her go. Um, and then more regret. He's like he gets down on himself again. He regrets murdering his own brother. He's like I murdered my own brother for first this time. Shit. He said that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, because he, I think he always felt it, but he he was like it was worth it for the win. But now he didn't win. It's like, was it worth it? Right is the question. Yeah, yeah. and I think you know he 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 may have used the uh, excuses to distance himself from that. Although he know he, he knows that he, he lied was, to himself exactly. But and this is him admitting it to himself that he did. Mm-hmm. Do, he actively chose to do that. I also really like the part here where she comes. She kind of doubles down on. It. She's like, you know, this isn't over. But you're you're the chosen one. You're the only one who's going to sit on the throne. You're the prince that was promised. All that kind of stuff. And before this is over, you're going to betray not just you're not just going to betray your brother. You're going to betray everyone you you love and know. And but it'll all be worth it in the end. But and the crazy thing is, we think about where he ends up sitting against that fucking tree mm-hmm. and then um, and dying in dying in like alone, right? Yeah. And he did betray everything he knew and loved, and it. It wasn't worth it, and it didn't get him what he wanted. Right. Right? So she's obviously misinterpreting things, because mm-hmm. I think at this point, she does believe that. Later on, she starts to question that herself, but she doesn't reveal that to Stannis. Mm-hmm. But yeah, you're right. He, he betrays everything that he stands for towards the end. He sacrifices his own child. Yeah. Bur- Which is, there's, there point. is no redemption for that. Exactly. Uh, and then, yeah, it's, it's not worth it. He loses everything, because mm-hmm. he, he allowed himself to believe this. Yeah. He allowed himself instead, to be tempted Instead of this. seeing... Like looking at the world for was it as it was, he was willing to just take these um, predictions as as on on faith alone. And it's and, so it's you know. subtle because of the idea, like he should be trusting in himself and what he already believes in, mm-hmm. um, and it, it, to a degree, that's kind of what she's telling him that he is already the prince that was promised. So he oh, only needs to he's be just himself. pumping his tires. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But then he 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 allows himself to be tempted by that, and he ends up betraying everything he's ever cared about. Yeah. So there we go. Um, I do like that. Uh, he he calls her like you keep promising these things, but you don't know. None none of us know, right? There's this moment where he's like, "This is crazy," right? But she's like, "Don't worry about that. Look at the fire here. Just look at this. Just look. Just watch the watch, you know." <laughs> yeah. And it's kind of this. That part's weird. This part at the end of the scene is strange to me because he's like, "Just look into the flames," right? And and see. And he looks, and it's like. He's like completely hypnotized by the he thing. He does, I think, yeah, he sees something. He finally right. starts to believe, it. like obviously he's seen the, the tangible effects of her religion and her magic, right? Right. With Renly's death and and they don't do it in the show, but the death of Courtney Penrose. Um, <clears throat> but this is the first time that he's probably been able to see a vision himself. Other than, right. Otherwise, he's always been believing in what she has to say. Hmm. Well, she must have predicted something right at one point. Otherwise, he wouldn't be trusting her at all. Right. She's predicted many things right, but the, not not the major things that he needs. <laughs> <laughs> Tomorrow you will have cheese on your toast, <laughs> but you will fall on a sword before you can eat that cheesy toast. Uh, all right, we cut to Winterfell, and Theon is real angry. He's sitting in a chair. It's nighttime, and he is. There's someone outside who's blowing this horn. We know who it is. You know who it is. He's blowing this horn over and over all night long, not letting him get any sleep, right? So here's my thing. What's I, your thing? I totally get the the concept of that being a siege tactic. Mm-hmm. Um, 
It would just piss off your own people. That affects the army too. (laughs) They're they're also trying to sleep and they're closer (laughs) to the horn. (laughs) (laughs) That's true. But like they don't need to sleep. They're sieging, right? They can't can't sleep. They got to be ready in case those 10 guys come out. I get, I get that it's annoying and they're trying to provoke him, but it just, it has the same effect on your own army. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> yeah, well, good point. Uh, mm, what? Fight me. Come on. <laughs> Ramsey just doesn't seem the type that would give a shit about that. Right. You know? It's all worth it in the end for him. So, anyway, he's, he's pissed off, Theon is, and he snaps at Maester Lewin, uh, who's trying to give him advice. Uh, he se- tells him to send more ravens to his father. And Lewin gets that like line. He's like, well, you, you, you killed all the ravens, so I can't. <laughs> nice job, bud. And, uh, and then Theon starts reminiscing. This is really good. I really like this moment. So Theon starts reminiscing about this whole, the first time he saw Winterfell, and he was, you know, no wonder, you know, Ned and his, and his armies were able to, you know, defeat our rebellion and kill all my brothers. If he, live, if he lives in a place like this, you know, and, um, but mostly it comes down to the fact that he's still, he's angry about all the people who told him, who keep telling him that he should be grateful for the life he had at Winterfell, right? That no matter how spectacular it was, he was still a prisoner there. And he's mad at those people for telling him that. But then he's also mad at his own family for not taking him in, right? right. So he feels super alone and he's yeah. just lashing out at everyone. And he, this is him the first time kind of admitting that. You know, yeah, that's what's interesting. So it's similar to stuff that he said earlier this season, but we've always found we've talked about it in this show that we found that to be disingenuous what he's saying because mm-hmm. he's acting more out of anger and because he knows that's a rhetoric that he can use. This is probably the first time that he actually allows himself some genuine emotion, and th- those right. feelings are real that they're there. Yeah, that he was a prisoner and that was always held above him to a degree. Um, but this is the first time that he's been honest about that with himself. Mm-hmm. Um, he goes on to um. You know, getting freaked out again. He freaks out crazy though this time, and he gets up and he starts yelling. Um, it's really good performance. It feels very genuine uh, in this this whole scene. It's very convincing. This is where like he starts, kind of calms down a little bit after that, and Lewin starts giving him like a little bit some counsels him a little bit more. And he says, "Listen, there's 500 men out there. You've got 20, right? You don't stand a chance, right? Run, like just run." It's your only, it's your last option. I, I don't want to see you dead, right? I've known you since you were a kid. I'm trying to give you some genuine advice. Run. It's your only bet, right? And he says that he can't because he will be, always be known as the coward, right? If he does that. And, oh, this next part is so good. It says, and the Lewin basically says, listen, I know who you are, Theon. You aren't this person. You're pretending to be someone you're not, which is what we've been, talking about for a long time right. this season and uh you know don't you don't need to keep up the charade and then theon's like i know i've been pretending but i've been pretending now too long to go back which he hasn't been pretending that long but and it's only with these certain people you know but he's already burned bridges with rob burned bridges and made his mistakes know. and he thinks that he's he's on an immovable path right mm-hmm. uh, and that becomes a huge part of his character even later on like he made all these decisions. He reaps the consequences. Mm-hmm. Well, um, probably tenfold. Like, yeah. You know? And later on well, when he meets John, if you'll remember in season seven, when, when they meet at Dragonstone, he, he says something along the lines, I'm not going to quote it verbatim, but uh, when he's talking to John that, you know, John always made the right decisions. Yeah. And, and John says something along the lines of, um, it might look like that, 
but it, they were hard decisions at the time. And Theon says something along the lines of that was, I, I always was always faced with an impossible decision and I chose wrong. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's how he views himself later he feels, on. Well, and this is him but, making those decisions. This is, yeah, this is making those decisions, but he's also always, he's, from the beginning of the season, he's always like made it out to seem like he has no choice. Yeah, he's putting right? himself in these situations, but he Where, feels like there's no choice. But he actually does still have a choice. We talk about that all the time. You can do anything you want, right? Mm-hmm. He doesn't have to do anything here, but he feels obliged to by his, his oath to his, his family, to the men in the castle. And it's just you know, his own personal dignity, right. honor. Anyway, um, it's very sad. It's a great scene, but it's, it's quite sad. And um, we cut to the next morning. Well, actually, the only thing that I would add to that that I find very interesting about that scene, um, and this is when we talk about what-ifs, this is one of the what-ifs that I do like to play because one of the things that was mentioned is you can go to the wall. Your crimes will be absolved. Right. Um, and this is one example. It happens often in the series where these you know main characters, main-ish characters, are given that option. It happened Ned Stark. Mm-hmm. Um, Theon, Tyrion mm-hmm. at one point, uh, Brynn and Blackfish are all have the option to go to the wall. They choose or, not or to. meant to go to the wall. Yeah. Ned doesn't get to make that decision, but like he he was going to go to the wall. Yeah, and then he got his head cut off instead. But it's like how different would things have been at the wall with just any of those four characters up there, right? Right to get to have John's back. You know, imagine if Ned Ned would have been Lord Commander, right? Like, right, there would have been no question. Right, he would have. Like it wouldn't even been close. Well, you know? after Mormont died, but it's it's, it's impossible. This, this is where you you get off track with the what ifs because yeah. would it, things have even happened the same way? Would they have gone up north like that? Who I mean, knows? probably. I think a lot of the, like just because Ned was at the wall wouldn't stop the whites from amassing, or right, the, right? You know, the wildlings from amassing, right? And he would want to go after Benjamin. Yeah. So I mean, it would probably turn out like fairly similar. And you know, who knows? Ned would have might have died in like a sure. fight up north at some point. So yeah. it would have been actually kind of cool, like to be able to see the, have those moments between. John and Ned, because you said, you know, don't I'll promise to tell you who your parents are. Yeah, that's one right? of the biggest tra- tragedies of the <laughs> show is when he pr- makes that another yeah. promise. Right. Um, oh, I should also mention uh, something I noticed. This episode in particular has a theme, uh, or one of the themes that it, it seems to, you know, uh, touch on a couple times is this idea of, of the decisions that these characters want to make, but are obliged to make different decisions for X number of reasons. It's a couple, it happens a couple of times. This is one of the first ones. Um, Joffrey is his is kind of a lie, right? But the idea that oh, I can't marry you because I have pre-existing stuff. But then, like later on, there's a whole bunch of stuff that 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 similar themes with 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 Rob. You know, I you know I want to marry uh, Talisa, but I'm forced to marry you know uh, the Frey girl. Chooses to to make that decision, and then these other people who make different decisions. Arya later on, who instead of going with Jackin stays in western family right she has to find she has to so there's a lot of these i want to do this but i have to but i you know i'm forced to do this instead yeah right duty Mm -hmm. uh okay um all right so we cut to the next morning theon is making this big speech it's a pretty good speech yeah right and uh just as he's about to just as he finishes it he's basically saying you know we're gonna die heroes right heroes death just amping everyone up to go and kill themselves basically and he finishes his speech and he gets knocked on the back of the head and gets knocked out by his dude Dagmar who's been giving him advice the whole time arguably bad advice um just knocks him out and they take the they take the deal that um they talked about a couple episodes back Bruce said be like well we'll we'll cut him a deal if they give us Theon they can go home it it was Rob that said that but yeah 
Yeah, well, it was R- Roos and Rob that were talking. <clears throat> um, so they take that deal, obviously, and they hand him over, and uh, and then they go home. Or they all die. I, I, I don't think Ramsey's the type to really let them go. We don't know. We don't know. We don't know their fate. But yeah, it, it's never explored. I believe that they all were taken and flayed. Ah, well, again, we don't know. I I choose to believe that he they they got home. Well, we don't ever see Dagmar or Black Lauren again. Yeah, but we also never really spend a lot of time at at fair enough. You know. Um, and obviously, they're not like a list Iron Islanders if they were given to Theon in the first place. You know, Dagmar is Dagmar is a legend, but. Again, they, they they downplay these characters in the show. They they're very much just Iron Ironborn A and Ironborn B. Right. They get some names. Theon says some of their names in this one. Mm. Right. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Theon's handed over. We know what happens to him going forward. Anything else you want to say about this this Theon stuff? I thought it was just all very good. It, it was very good. Um, it had to happen. This is his fall from grace, and it's a long, hard fall from oh. here. It like it almost doesn't end. He like he and hits he like every tree branch he, on the and tree. He never the really down. had the grace part of that either. Yeah, right. <laughs> now that I think about it, so we cut to King's Landing, and Varys is telling Tyrion that Sir was it Sir Mandon Moore? That's what Sir Mandon Moore. Man Moore was the one who tried to kill him on Cersei's orders, right? So and there's that confirmed. Yeah, and Tyrion's like. Why, how do I, how can I trust you? Which is so weird because like you just told, you called for him to tell him that, he, that he's alive and then the, he tells you some something and you, first thing you do is not believe him. That's a, that's a douche move, right. you know? And uh, so he's like, okay, all right, fine. I didn't, I knew that Cersei didn't like me. So what, who can I, who can I use to protect myself? Uh, Braun, tell Braun to use some of his best men to guard the door. Oh no, Braun's not in charge of the, uh, the king's or the city watch anymore. Okay, okay, so that's fine. I still have my hill tribesmen. They can help me. No, okay. Tywin paid them off and they're gone now. Okay, so it's just me by myself <laughs> and no one to help me. Although Bronn could probably help him on his own, but like, not not to the scale. Not to the scale. Yeah, like he can't be by his door literally every second. Nor would he want to be. Um, and he's got pod. Yeah, he's got pod. He's got. You know what? I do like me some Podrick Payne. You know. And who doesn't? The women love Podrick Payne. Yep. <laughs> um, I, I like the line Tywin uh, Tyrion says to uh, Varys. He's like, "You what? You can't you can't uh, swim too close to a drowning man, right?" Which is true, right? Because Varys has to says he has to distance himself. He's like, "We won't be talking for a while, you know, because you have no there's no reason for me to you have got no real power anymore, mm-hmm. right?" But I do like you. He says, "I like you." And, you know, there's some of us in the Capitol who know what you really did and will remember, even if you'll never even talked about it in the books or ever mentioned ever again. <laughs> Am I missing anything? Well, and then Shay comes in. Ah, right. <laughs> there's that, that little nugget. Uh, this part sucks. Like, that part of this, this whole part of it sucks. Because Tyrion's being a, being, he's being a dink in this whole scene. I mean, I guess he's angry, but, like, yeah, still. Yeah, he, he's acting out. He, he, he feels, you know, um, uh, insecure, I guess. Um, and so he's, he's refusing to believe that she could love him the way she's claiming to, which at the end of the day, knowing where things end up, probably the right decision, right? Because she doesn't, she ends up betraying him. Yeah. Right. So does Varys, by the way. Um, they both, they both testify against him in in his trial. But Varys also does help him escape. They escape Varys does his own thing. 
Um, yeah. It's really weird the characterization that they choose to go with for Shay. Like this seems earnest, where she's like saying, "You know, I'm yours, you are mine." Yeah, like she really, truly loves him, which is not something you typically you really get from the book. Like she's playful and she's happy, but that's all an act. That's right. she's a professional, right? Right. Um, well, then that's what Tyrion calls out here. Is like this has all been an act, right? I've been paying you to treat me this way, and I've really liked it, and it's been great, right? But we can you can drop the shred now. I have no real power. Obviously, this is I don't actually mean anything to you. And then she doubles down on it, which is why yeah. it hurts more <clears throat> later, right? It hurts more later. I just don't like necessarily that they chose to do this with the show because it makes it seem like she truly did love him. And then there's a scene right before his trial where he tells her to go. He's trying to save her. Mm-hmm. He's telling her to go to the free cities, but he's essentially telling her to leave. Like it's the it's the old get out of here. Yeah. Like telling the puppy to go away. Well, exactly. Get, this the same way uh, Arya does with Nymeria yeah. in season yeah. one, which does make sense. Yeah, Tyrion doing that to Shay that leads to her like, um, betraying him and testifying against right. him, which makes it seem like her character is more just a spurned lover than this, you know, lying, deceitful. Person. Well, maybe that's the way that they wanted to play it. If she, if she came off as a spurned lover, maybe that's what she was in the show. Right? That's possible. I guess it's less interesting. I think that way, but whatever. I, I think it's it's less cruel right but the whole point is that he's betrayed and that she is cruel and he i think on, it's it's just so much worse if she's been if it's been an act the whole time you know yeah no that's the so point. much it's worse. not supposed to be a happy ending well it's and not he, either way and he spirals from there and like you know he doesn't trust anybody after that for obvious reasons mm, yeah i and yeah. plus you gotta remember she was also sleeping with tywin where, at what's this, at where the same that, time what does that factor in? when does the, it's like, unclear it, we don't know when that started right he's hand as of right now yeah who knows yeah, that's a good point. So we cut to somewhere in the woods. <laughs> it's very dark. Um, they do the it's like clever cutting because um they do the I am yours, you are mine, and then we cut to two people and we don't know who they are. Right. Right. Um turns out it's Rob and Talisa, and they're getting married in the woods with just one septin, I guess. Yeah, with a septin. It, I couldn't I didn't pay close enough attention, I guess. Is that a heart tree behind them? Is that a, a werewood? I don't think so. I don't think so. Come on, man. Because they're getting married under the side of the seven. Right. Right? Not under the old gods. And they say the cool vows. There's some pretty cool vows, right? Um, And that's it. That's literally the whole scene. They just name all the gods. That's the vows. (laughs) (laughs) That's true. Um, But that, and that's all we get. That's the scene. Anything else you want to say about that? I just, we just know that he goes through with it. That's all that matters there. Yeah. Yeah. This happened. So why, okay. So if, this is what's dumb. Right? Because why are you having this secret marriage if everyone's gonna know you're married? Right? If you're gonna if 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 you're like, okay, we're gonna do this secret marriage, because you can have a secret marriage and then actually and then and then still and then like figure out the fray thing I, later. I don't know that this was meant to be a secret marriage. There's two of them. There's no one there, it's just the two of them, and the, them and the septum. Them in the woods. Uh, is that clear? Do they do we ever cut to the behind them? You don't see the audience. We cut it's from afar. I mean, we don't presumably there'd be a torch or something. It's pitch black. Yeah, I guess. You know? So, but no, because the, yeah, you're you're right. They do announce it right away. Yeah, it's not a secret or or even close to a well kept secret, right. right? Because, again, you could have a secret wedding, right? And I bet you Walder Frey wouldn't even care if you slept with whoever you wanted, as long as you married their daughter. Yeah, right. That's dishonorable, it, man. It's dishonorable to break your vows. Yep. Well, hey, what are you gonna do? <laughs> damned if you do. Damned. Well, no, you're just damned if you do this you're one damned thing. If you do <laughs> this one, this one specific you wouldn't thing. Be damned if you didn't. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Um, I'm just I'm trying to put myself in Rob's shoes here. <laughs> he's it's the only thing, it's, I have. This the only thing I can do. He's a he's pulling a Theon basically, yeah, kind of. So we go to Karth, 
Now things are getting interesting. First time in car, things are getting interesting. <laughs> uh, Danny's heading up to the steps uh, of the House of the Undying. They reach a tower with no door. They start walking around it. Jora uh, tries to cat- keep up for some reason. Danny's super fast at walking all of a sudden. And then as she goes around the corner, magic, man. she disappears yep. and goes inside somehow. And then he starts yelling, Kalizi! Kalizi! And then we cut inside and we can hear him yelling a little bit still, but now she's yelling at the at the, the, warlocks. the warlocks. That's lots of yelling going on. Which is probably not a great move when you first enter their secret base. In the, in, <laughs> well, they know you're there, right? Yeah. Well, they yeah. wanted her there, right? Yeah. They knew they were springing a trap. It was all... Yeah. Yeah. It's not even a trap. They told her to come. So... <laughs> More like an invitation. Right. Uh, then we go to outside Heron Hall. That's the, the next place we go to. And Arya and her peeps are walking through some kind of canyon somewhere. And they see Jack and Agar on the top of a cliff. And then they turn around and he's right behind them. And then they the others go disappear somewhere. And then it's just I Arya. Think she and, goes ahead a little bit okay. and then he appears behind her. Something like that. Anyway, it's just her and Jack and for a little bit is the, what I'm trying to say. And... Uh, she asks how uh, she can be like him. She wants to, I want to be like you. You're so cool, you know? And says that, uh, he says that they have, you know, if you come with me, come to Bravos, we can uh, we can start training right away. You know, no delay. You know, let's get the, to work yeah, on this. You can get started on that list right. of yours. Yeah, exactly. You got so many people on that list. We can start knocking them off. Gifts to the Red God. They keep calling him the Red God. Still doing that. Yeah, it's weird. Yeah. And... Um, she brings up her dancing master, saying that oh, he was from Bravos, right? And then he chuckles and says, you know, it's one thing to be a dancing instructor. It's another thing to be a faceless man, right? And so this is where that theory comes in that Jacken is, uh, what's his name? Uh, Cyril Farrell. So, no, right? No, like the of look, course he, no. Like, but the look that he makes, like it's, it's pretty clear, right? Because like if you were going to, if you're like, if you're going to pay off that, that kind of, that trickery, that's where you would reveal that she that he was yeah, serial the whole time. He would take time. off his face. Yeah, and, and be like, serial. "Oh my god, you are serial! How'd you escape?" Like all that kind. Of, like that's the moment, yeah. right? So it's obviously not the that's, case. That's, yeah, that's too much of a yeah. Goldilocks ending, too. Well, because well, it would change. I think the way that that scene plays out, she would probably go with him, right? Right, and not, and then that kind of change. Although, how much does Arya affect Westeros before she leaves? Very little, right? The Hound. Basically, and Brienne significantly, Brienne yeah. a little bit, but and then, um, well, she kills some people. She kills the Tickler, helps the Hound kill Tickler and Pauliver, I think. Yeah, well, so not that much. Is what we're yeah, saying. yeah, yeah. Okay, so she, if she, the what if game, if she'd left now, not not significantly different. Maybe she comes back earlier. I don't know. Yeah, maybe she has to face off against that term, that T two though, or mm. that T one thousand, right. <laughs> She's so T one thousand in that in that scene later in the in the series. She's like she's like walking through the. They might as well be playing the theme. So, <laughs> um, no, that's the battlefield theme. It's very similar. Right. It's very similar. Uh, all right, where are we? Where are we at? Where are we at? Okay. Um, oh yeah, so he gives her a coin and tells her to save Velar Morghulis if she's ever in Bravos. Um, and gives that person the coin. Um, he doesn't. He doesn't say what will happen if she, if he do, if she does that. Uh, but says that the coin's not for buying horses. That's right. all she says. Um, it's a secret. Yeah, 
and then he does he he does do the whole changes his face thing, right? That's like the big reveal, and then he walks off. Um, which I mean, it's not clear. It's still a very nitpicky point, but how does that line up with later on? How Arya has to have like a trunk of faces. He just turns away and turns back. He's like, is he like hiding a plastic face on his chest? That's why he doesn't turn all the way around. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, it's like how Batman disappears and then he's like hiding like behind a curtain somewhere. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Or like, um, <laughs> was it Family Guy? He's like, now I will turn this water into wine. Okay, just turn around. Oh, it's South Park. Yeah. So just, just turn around. Just, just turn around. <laughs> and I was like, okay. And they turn around. And he switches the thing. Yeah. That's the same idea. Okay, so yeah, that's um, that's the Arya storyline for this season. Um, any thoughts? Um, this just is the the beginning steps of her going down a fairly dark path. Yeah, um, and it doesn't really get much lighter actually. Now that I think about it, she just becomes nope. a murder machine. Like she's obsessed with death. Yep. And even like if if you watch the trailer for season eight, there's that one part where they're like presumably they're introducing the concept of the army of the dead to Arya. Yeah. And she said that she's, she's worshiped something along the lines of, I've already uh, met the God of death or I've worshiped the God of death. I'm interested to meet this one. Sort of something right. like that. So very dark. When did she meet the God of death? Exactly. Little, well, she's familiar. She, I think maybe <laughs> I'm familiar with a God of or, death with the different, many, right. many types of death or something like that. Yeah. Okay. Um, then we go to Winterfell. And Asha and the boys emerge from the crypts and they find Winterfell <clears throat> burning. And uh, they look over and their direwolves are super sad. They're making that sad puppy sound. <clears throat> and uh, they see that Lewin, Mr. Lewin is hurt. We didn't mention this before, but Mr. Lewin gets stabbed earlier. By Dagmar as well. Yeah. He's yeah. a real shithead, that guy. You know what? I hope he doesn't yeah, make it Yeah, you liked him earlier. I hope he doesn't make it home. No, I didn't. No, I didn't. You liked him at first. When you first met him, you liked him. Uh, well, he has, he has some charisma to yeah. him, you know? And then, uh, anyway, so Lewin's hurt and stabbed by a spear, and he's sitting there under the tree, and they come over to him, and they want to help. He says he's feeling fine. He actually acts like he's very, like, not hurt at all, and gives them advice, tells them what to do, where to go, go to the wall, you know, be safe. Um, too many enemies to the south. Um, and then he says, like, you know, I pulled you into this world, you know, both of you, you, you dumb kids. And, you know, I'm lucky to have lived as, as long as I did in the life I had. So don't worry about me. I am good. Um, but he's like, it seems like he's just giving up, right? Like it's what, like, is, is it so, is his spear wound so bad that he like, if he doesn't like just bandage it up, he couldn't be okay. You know, it's bad, man. You can't, it's medieval times, first of all. Mm. Um, and he got stabbed in the gut. Like all, of, I don't need to go. We don't need to go into detail, but what's in there? But it's a lot of important stuff, right? That's leaking. <laughs> <laughs> it's getting out. It's not um, supposed to get out. Yeah. There's an interesting when this happens in the books. Uh, like a nice thought that Brand has. Just I like the way that it's written. It is, you know, the maester's a person you go to when someone's hurt. What do you do when the maester's hurt? Sort of thing, right? Yeah. Like, how do how do you help him? Doctor, you're you're sick. How do I fix you? Yeah. You know, like that's. Yeah, I don't know. It's like okay, no, just make an incision. <laughs> Isn't there a movie where that he's like he has to walk someone through doing surgery on? It sounds familiar. I can't yeah. think of exactly. I'm sure it's happened in multiple movies. Yeah. Uh, okay. Anyway, so he sends the kids away, and then he says like, "Asha, come here. You need to protect these kids. If you don't fucking protect them, I swear to God, I'll haunt your ass." <laughs> yeah. And um, even against your own kind, she's like, "Well, I didn't really." So I've been thinking about this. This Asha's character turn happens so fast. Like 
she goes from being like this uh, person who's trying to kill Bran, right? Holding him hostage <clears throat> to like willing to do literally anything for the kids. So when exactly? Well, that's a whole season, right? Because right? she's captured late yeah, but season she, one. But she, right, I guess. But she's basically their number one pal their whole, this for the whole for season. the rest of their, her yeah. life. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I guess, you, you know, you have to infer that she's spending a lot of time with these kids that we're not seeing. Why are they trusting the, the, the kids? <laughs> why, why are they trusting her to spend time with the kids is another question. That's very strange, right? She's just, you know, come on, man. I just, it, <laughs> I just, it feels like it feels like I like Asha. I like, yeah, yeah, the, yeah. like, I like where she gets to. I just feel like her, her journey's very accelerated. Like it she is. goes from being a villain to being a, a hero in the matter of like a couple episodes. And then is just like superhero for the rest of the well, whole uh, Yeah, series. she does become a superhero. I think the point is that she was never a villain. She was just desperate. Right. Um, and then they captured her and treated her nicely enough. And that that's sort of the, the moral there is like much like Theon was treated well by the Starks and how everyone always says you should appreciate what you were given rather than be upset that you were a prisoner. She kind of, without having been told that, does appreciate that. And she's given a second chance. So she's going to protect these little boys. Plus they're little boys. Right. Everyone mm -hmm. likes... Like, what well, are you going to leave them, these little boys everyone to die? Everyone likes kids. Like, I mean, I get it. Not everyone likes kids. That's not true. Um, okay. Anyway, we get, they leave. And, uh, oh, before she, he asks, okay, this is where it's crazy. He asks her to, like, finish him off. Mercy. Yeah, mercy killing. <sighs> I don't know. He's dying. If they leave, he's just going to slowly, like, bleed and starve to death. Anyway, it's pretty brutal. Like, she's like, she's like, mm, okay, shink. <laughs> uh, and we don't see it, thankfully. Um, and we cut it's too bad. Everybody liked Master Lewin. He, he's a really cool character. Yeah, he's like he was like everyone's favorite grandpa. Yeah. And they cut away. We see this really amazing establishing shot. Which is not technically establishing shot because it didn't. It comes later. Yeah. Um, but of the burning Winterfell, and then obviously in season three we get the cool intro map where the it's burning on the map and it stays burning on the map for like a way longer than it should yeah it's obviously not burning that whole time but it's just to indicate that it's yeah. a, it's a ruin and then later on when we go to winterfell it, it has the bolton sigil rather yeah. than the stark sigil which is cool okay and that's um that's that storyline for the season so we cut to back to the house of the undying and now again things are getting real exciting danny uh reaches a room with a bunch of doors she opens one door and she feels wind blowing. She's like, well, this is weird. And then <laughs> we don't, she doesn't say that, but she looks like she's feeling that. <laughs> she she looks directly at the camera and says, well, this is weird. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so she walks into this room and we see that it's the throne room from King's Landing, but the roof is gone and there's snow. And people are like wondering, is it maybe ashes? Is it Could possibly be. ashes? It sure doesn't look like ashes. It sure looks like snow. It's going to be safe. It's pretty much, uh, guys, I'm going on a limb here. It's snow. It's snow. It's the song of ice and fire. It's not the song. Well, I mean, fire, fire makes ashes. Mm, you're dude. right. You're right. <laughs> um, I, just, I don't think it's Well, ashes. it's also important to note that the roof is all blown out. Yeah. It's easy to say maybe that's dragon fire. Maybe it's wildfire. Some sort of explosive. You know, it's not white walkers doing that unless they're using a, a, a ice dragon, right? Mm -hmm. I agree. So I and, and who knows if that is ever even going to happen. That's just something that she's seeing. It's not necessarily true. It's something that it's a, a vision of a future that maybe not a future that will be. Well, this is what's interesting is because like it's like it's it looks it seems to be that the warlocks are like tempting her, right? Right. Because she walks up to the Iron Throne 
And like before she touches it, she hears the dragon squealing and then she decides not to. But it's like one of these things. Is this like that moment in Lord of the Rings where what's her name is being like, here, you just take the ring. And she's like, I can't take the ring. Gladriel. Gladriel, right? Um, is it like that where like if she touches it, like then like she just lives in this fantasy Maybe, world for yeah, us yeah. for so, life? So to, to extrapolate on that, um, we know what the warlocks want. They want her in chains. They want to just keep her there because she gives the dragons power and the dragons give them power, right? right. That's what he says later on. Yeah. Right, so it's all about the fact that their magic is actually potent again, mm-hmm. um, and that that's only made possible because of her sacrifice and the fact that she created dragons again. Um, so maybe yes, she sits on the Iron Throne, which is what she's always wanted. If she if she you know is tempted a lot enough and, and falls victim to that temptation, she would be stuck there forever. Just like when she goes to the tent and sees Drogo yeah. jo- with their baby Rago, it, it would be impossible for anyone to decide to leave that and she chooses to but it's the easiest thing in the world to do would be to sit there and maybe be happy for the rest of her days with yeah. the person she loved but, right? she, but she would know it was fake right maybe on some level but even in the tent she's questioning like maybe I'm already dead maybe this is just heaven or- well it's weird like because what I'm wondering about like the temptation thing is like you're tempted with this 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 uh, husk of a right. of a of a building, but right? it's all about the throne, and 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 then that maybe that's another point in terms of Daenerys' story. She's been so obsessed with the throne and not caring about any of the things around the throne. Right, right. That's a good look at it. Um. Anyway, so she leaves that room, and then the next thing she we know she's walking out of like the gate at the wall, and it's super snowy, and there's a tent that looks like the tent that her and Drogo used to hang out in, and then she walks into that tent, and then it is that tent, <laughs> and then it gets like really summery on the outside like the, the lighting changes from blue to yellow uh orangey yeah and uh and then yeah inside is drogo <clears throat> with their baby and uh it's like obviously it's cool that they got um him back for that jason like, momo for that one small scene uh it's, it's really tender and nice and you know like you know maybe if you know if i'm dead or if you're dead doesn't matter who cares everything's fine but then she hears the, the the dragon squealing again, and then it's weird because she like she's she turns away and it looks like Drogo's like the brain dead version of Drogo again, right? Which is interesting because he's already dead. Yeah, it, it's weird because he seems to be somewhat aware of what's going on, or at least he, he's acting like like whatever well, he is, construct, is made to right? act like that, right? Yeah. So yeah, maybe he's a construct of her own subconscious. We don't need to get into that whole thing, mm-hmm. um, but he does seem like he's aware and trying to convince her to stay and then when yeah. she leaves maybe he's returning to that catatonic state or maybe he's just depressed by her choosing to leave him or maybe that the the whole vision is kind of like fading yeah yeah right and then anyway she comes back into the original room and now there's the dragons are there and uh they're all very distinctly colored dan i'm yep. sure you noticed i did notice <laughs> and and then like you said the warlocks say hey we need you here because they bring you power or they you bring give them power and they give us power so there's this like cool shot where they it's like a one shot and then she has chains on her all of a sudden yeah. it's pretty cool um she then tells that she did like we get the first uh Dracaris and then it's pretty cool it's, fu- it's funny because drogo goes <laughs> and like coughs a little puff yeah, of yeah, yeah. smoke and then they go and they blow the like pretty intense fire for little dragons right. and burn them alive and then when he's dead their magic fades so their chains i guess disintegrate yeah okay there's magic rules all right in dragon in magic rules there is no rules is the yeah. rules um and yeah and that's kind of that's the that's that's danny's story for this season we'll kind of we'll kind of touch on everyone's um thing right. at the end okay and then we go beyond the wall 
Uh, John is being led by, actually, we go back to Carthon a little bit. John is being led by Egret and being told that he'll be tortured when they get to the Wildling camp. Now, you'll be lucky to make it through the night, John. Um, anyway, she hits him on the head with her sword. Uh, with his sword, she's holding his sword. Um, and then Corin jumps John, calls him a traitor. He actually says some pretty mean things in this in this scene. He really sells it, yeah. Yeah, and then it's like the Lord of Bones or whatever his name is, like, let him fight, and then they fight. Um, does he get his sword back for that fight? It's unclear. He just, he has a sword. John? You yeah. Mean? Yeah, Egret like tosses it down for him yeah. to pick okay. up. And so they fight each other, and uh, it's, yeah, it's almost like Corrin Halfman like, doth protest too much you know <laughs> and he gets he goes a little over the top but he eventually kind of like throws the fight um because presume like i honestly like you know one-on-one match between john and corin john probably loses yeah right? oh yeah every time yeah uh, at least at this point in his life right and uh anyway so he stabs him and kills him uh you know he gets a cool final line where he talks he's like you know we're the we're the men of the night's watch or whatever something something like he says like, we're the watchers on yeah. the wall i think um and it's it's very cool, but like you gave it away. You waited. You had this all this final moment, and you <laughs> gave it away. Uh, no, it's it's all it all works. And Egret's um, like, you can tell Mance that that's the man who killed Corn Halfhand. Hurrah! Yeah. And uh, yeah, so his bonds are cut. Like they're like, oh, right, well, that sells it. He's cool. <laughs> well, there's no right? going back from that, right? If he, yeah. even if he was like in their minds, even if he was still a a, a crow, yeah. Once you kill a sworn brother, you're done. That's it. Yeah. Um, turns, out, turns out you're not. <laughs> <laughs> well, loophole. Yeah. Right. It's okay when if they ask you to do it. And uh, so, and then John walks over like three feet and looks down on this valley, which I always remember being greener than it was, but I guess it wasn't that green. And uh, that's where all the wildlings are hanging out. And, uh, and that's it. And then you start, and then oh, I thought this was kind of funny. So. Everyone starts walking to the left, and then John just starts walking down the hill like by himself. <laughs> <laughs> like it's like clearly not a path, and he just starts going down that way. Um, I, just a little something I noticed. That doesn't literally means nothing, but it's just so funny to me. Um, we go back to Karth, and we we get a shot of Zaro. He's waking up as his key is stolen from around his neck, and Danny's handmaiden is there, Daria, and. Uh, She's she's like, Dan, she's like, uh, Khaleesi, no, he said that there's no way you're gonna make it out alive. It's not my fault. He lied to me. <laughs> and uh she's like, she really is upset. Like the I feel almost bad for her. Like right. the way, yeah. She, she sells it, man. She I got them. <laughs> she is oh, man. I'd have forgiven her. Yeah. I'm, I would, I'm, yeah, I'm, you know I'm, what? I'm weak, whatever. Right. I would have forgiven no. her. I would like, I would I wouldn't have killed her. I would just like, you can stay here, live your life, but I'm not gonna lock you in this thing. Zara, on the other hand, he probably deserves it. Anyway, um, they open the the vault, find out there's nothing inside. He's been bluffing the whole time. It's a pretty good bluff, by the way. Um, and right as he, they're led into the vault, he's like, no, but this, now I'm actually the king of Karth. Like, I can actually help you now. It's all good. <laughs> and it doesn't matter. He's, she's not going to fall for it. He's like, thank you. She's like, thank you for teaching me this lesson. What lesson is it that she learned? Uh, um... <laughs> I don't know. Maybe something. It, it's some sort of sort of thing about trust, about not uh, about trusting herself over others, and not looking for the easy answer that he mm-hmm. was trying to give her. Mm-hmm. 
Um, when and it, it turns out the lesson was she's a conqueror. She's gonna just conquer his palace, t- steal all his shit, sell it, and get their ships and get out. Maybe the Iron Throne was the friends you made along the way. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um. Anyway, so they lock them in. That's a brutal death. It's a brutal death. Um, There's yeah. like skeletons are just going to be there in the future. You can never get it open, though. It can only That's be open thing. with that key, which we don't see what she happens probably to probably throws it into the sea or something. Yeah. Anyway, they go to steal some gold stuff. <laughs> steal all of his <laughs> they, stuff. All the stuff that he has. The stuff that is actually worth it. And anything. it's like a celebratory scene. It's like yeah. her going back to her roots, and she's being a Dothraki right now. Yeah, she's, she's like, okay. Conquering and plundering. Let's take it all. Um and then she does this, look, Daenerys looks badass though when she's walking around with her, her arms kind of like half folded with her yeah. dragons, two dragons there and one perched on her shoulder. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's weird. The, the one last little bit here though is weird because like Jorah's like, she's like, is this enough to buy a ship? He's like, yeah, one small one, right? Like, okay, then go buy that fucking ship then. Well, <laughs> like, <laughs> that, you assume that's what's about to happen. Well, but that's gonna, not what happens, right? Well, they have to sell all the stuff first and then they go. Do they? Where do they go? What happens next? They go like to the harbor to find a ship. That's when uh, Barristan comes to meet them, and then they they, they set sail. They end up going to uh, they will use his ship, right? But they end up going to Asapor from there. Hmm. They don't yeah they don't have to buy a ship. Yeah, in the end, they don't even buy a ship. <laughs> but that was the plan. And what like Barristan came on a ship that was sent by Magister Illyrio. Right, Illyrio. It's hard to say that name. Illyrio. Okay. So then we go to the Fist of the First Men, and Sam is with Gren and Ed, and they're finding poop to burn. <laughs> and I can't say that with a straight face. Um, and Sam is the worst because he's still going on about Gilly. It's like the worst version of it, too. He's yeah. like, you know what I find most interesting, though? What's really interesting, like, oh my God, like, please stop. Like, we don't care. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, it's just like, that like even in the face of like all this like darkness and like sadness that like she still has like hope for the future. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, and they're like, no, you just care because she like spent, one of those people that's paid like, attention like, to you. You know, like I get that he was mistreated and he was bullied, but it's like when you when you talk like that, like it makes me wish you were bullied a bit. Like, <laughs> <laughs> it's like I'm not trying to encourage bullying, but if you know anyone that's like Sam, you should probably bully them until no, they're not like not that. Like, that's <laughs> not what I meant at all. Just when they, when he talks like this, I don't yeah, know. Yeah, he, he's what he's saying. He has it coming. Yeah, when he speaks his mind. I guess that's yeah. not fair. Whatever. <laughs> uh, anyway, so they hear the horn. They're like, "Oh well, uh, Sam or John is back." Yeah, and then. Um, then they hear two. They're like, "Oh shit, waddlings!" And then they hear three blasts. They're like, and they freak out. They freak the shit out. Um, so they start sprinting away. Sam can't. He's incapable of this of a sprint. Yeah. He can't do it and instantly falls over. Uh, he sees like this like blizzardy thing come towards him. And he starts seeing dead people. So he's like, "Oh shit!" So he hides behind this so rock. He hides behind a rock. <laughs> he hides behind a rock. That's right. And then um, the music starts to swell. And we cut back and then we see this this dead horse and we like pan up and there's oh the first time we get like a full on view this for the like this is like our only shot of a white for like five years. It's a white walker. White walker for like five years. And uh <laughs> like we have to go on this as the, the the look for a long, long time. And they go they do use that look later on, but like they were really like forced to go with this right. because they they just like, okay, we're gonna show one. At the end of season two, we gotta show something. And they Arguably showed too much, I would say. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and it's so much better when it's like a mystery, you know, 
Um, obviously, this happens. The, the the attack in the fist of the first man happens in the books. We aren't there really. Sam's around, but he's not a big part of the battle, so you're still not seeing right. full the full effect of it. Um, and it's just I like in the books how it is so much more of a mystery for so much longer. It's like a, it's a real slow burn. You can make the argument that's maybe too slow, but um, th- this big reveal may be a little early. I think. Yeah, well, because you know, like think about the prologue, how how cool and like yeah. eerie and secretive that is, and then the idea that these rangers are going out in these missions and they're just disappearing, and even the free folk, they, they they're a huge army, but um, uh, you know, as they're marching down, every night there are a few that are just missing from the outskirts, like they're just slowly being picked off, and they're all aware of it, and there's nothing they can do. That's so much cooler than having this giant army of the dead constantly. It's just- like that giant. There's like, well, a, there's like, they're like really spread apart. Yeah. It's, it's not a very organized army, but the idea that they're just an unstoppable force that's just like mowing through everything in the North. It, 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 well, it's like, also doesn't make sense because like, so they attack the fist of the first man and then what do they, they just go back into hiding for another four yeah, years. And, and, and if, and like, if, if this, if they're capable of that, why would they not just attack Mance Raider's host right away? Why would, what would they have to be afraid of at all? Yeah. Every right. time someone dies, they just get another soldier. Like, it, right. you know what I mean? So it's like, I feel like they at this point in the in the series they they felt like they need to show something to kind of sell the show a bit more still. Right? Sure. And so they kind of maybe played their hand a bit. They tried to pull it back like we don't really see a lot of them for another I don't know, four like three seasons, I think, until we get that shot of the baby with the eyes turning. Right, I don't right? remember exactly where that uh, is. But that's not that's not to like at least season 5, I think. 4 or 5, yeah. And Either way, like, it's it's even worse with the fact that you have Sam there, to, like, like to see the whole thing, and like he never really addresses it. I don't feel like. Yeah, you know? that's a good point. N- never talk about this. The the White Walker looks directly at him, acknowledges him, yep. screams, and then ignores him. For all we know, it's the same fucking White Walker that attacks him later in the forest, yeah. <laughs> and then he's like, "Oh man, I really wish I killed him when he was hiding behind that rock." Right. Right. Is there any way to explain this scene in a way that makes sense? Or is it just one of those things that like it looks cool in retrospect, maybe they didn't they shouldn't have done it that way? Is there any way to explain it? I, okay, look. Uh off the bat, no way it doesn't see him. Yeah, I know no, that the way they it's play shot, it, they play it like he's looking directly at Sam. Right. So it's not like he overlooks him. Um, I don't think he feels pity. Right. Like you, you mentioned earlier. Like I don't think that that is something that they are capable of or or, you know. Um, I think the way to explain it, which is not, which is a very loose, very you know surface level explanation, is that Sam is is completely just not a threat to that. Like he he just doesn't matter to that thing. It's not worth his time to get off the horse to kill him. Right. But there's a million other dead things that would. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> right. Yeah. It doesn't make any sense. So they just decide to let this one live when they're going to go massacre the rest of the night's Yeah, Watch? I don't know. I did, it makes no sense. I don't. Yeah, it's like it's like the threat level one hundred, threat level whatever, yeah. and like th- like looks at Sam, threat level negative ten. Yeah, <laughs> like it needs help. Um. <laughs> uh, so yeah, I just it's just probably the the most glaring. There's a lot of stuff in the season that like that isn't great, and I feel like be, they're still trying to get their legs under them. Um. This is I think one of the most glaring and obvious ones. Like. What the fuck were you guys thinking? Like Sam right. didn't. You could have done that shot without Sam there, right? Sam could just run away with the rest of them, and you know maybe he's a little bit slow, and maybe he sees them behind him, but he gets away. But this a scene of him hiding behind a rock is stupid. 
It's just yeah. dumb. Or like have him hide in like a little cave inside the, you know, on the hill, the fist of the first yeah. man. He like somehow f- like trips and falls or whatever, gets into this space Where and they don't notice seen. him, yeah. but he sees everything and he, and like, holy shit, it's just as cool a reveal. Yeah. You know, and then you don't have these questions. Like it feels like they're like, oh wait, well, uh, we're all done the season. Like, no, oh shit, we forgot to film something. Um, Okay. There's a rock there. Yeah. Uh, okay, hide behind that rock. That's all we got. Okay, bring in the dead horse. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Uh, so, it's unfortunate. All right. Um, that's season two. Thoughts on this episode? Thoughts on the season as a whole? The episode's solid. I mean, aside from little like nitpicky things like that, it is a solid episode. Um, the 10th the episode of every season, especially for the first yeah, couple. Yeah, pretty good. It's good. Um it's I mean it is dealing with with the you it's know satisfying the Blackwater, but it, it really is about checking in with everybody, giving tying up each story to a degree because you know, you do have a story long arc yeah. amongst a larger arc, right? Um so I think it does that well by checking in with each character, um, sort of ending where they're at. There's a lot of momentum leading into next season. Everyone's going somewhere, you know. Brands left Winterfell, they're going somewhere. John's joining the wildlings. Daenerys got her dragons back and is back on track. You know, she's not wasting time mm-hmm. in Karth. Well, She's not wasting time in Karth, but she's wasting time in other places. We don't know that yet. But like the, the idea <laughs> is that they they all have forward momentum. Yeah. Even even Sansa um no longer has to marry Joffrey and little Littlefinger's offering her a way out. So we think that there's gonna be some movement for her character as well. Yeah. We turns out those are all lies, but that's fine. Mostly. Yeah. Um yeah, I think, yeah, it's I find that these tenth episodes are very satisfying. You get like all these, like you said, the, the ramping up to something, and then the payoff is always, even if it's not like as exciting as the climax, it's satisfying to be like, oh, okay, so that's where this happens, or that's what happens here. You know, that's what happens to our dragons, right? Like, that's that's a nice, satisfying end to that arc, right? So, yeah, you can't really complain. You can't really complain about this episode too much, other than that that finale, uh, that final moment. Also, in that like super short scene with like the Rob wedding could have been a little bit longer, maybe. Um, we could have got rid of sub that for that Varys scene, right? And we got like a little bit, a little bit more. We have a favorite scene from this episode. I think it might be the Theon scene. Really, I think that's my favorite. I, you know, for me, it's the House of the Undying. I like um, that that sequence in the books. By the way, is phenomenal, and it's still to this day. Like, I have questions. I, you know, um, I have it saved on my phone. Like, maybe, <laughs> like maybe, to go back to maybe it. you have too many questions. Classic well, case of overthinking maybe. it. But but I've always liked the, the pieces that include, you know, little bits of prophecy, little sort of enigmatic hints at what could be, or or um you know, like we when we were talking about that episode, we or that that sequence rather, we 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 discussed Daenerys' character uh, and the temptation that she faced and, and how what that means for her character going forward with the Iron Throne thing, with with everything around it being destroyed. Like there's always something new to discover when you when you go back to those scenes, especially that sequence in the books. It's nuts. Well, I mean, yeah, obviously coming into the final season, this prophecy or that that those visions, I guess really on that specific one with the with the throne room right. is really where um where people are gonna start or people are looking um for kind of for hints. There's really not anything given there other you know, other than a, a visual look that we get that, at that, it. That, like the red keep is destroyed. Yeah, that's all we get. Right, and that could mean a million things. So I think that that is interesting as far as in, in way it ties into the final season. We don't have a like. I, I was joking at the beginning of the episode, like you know, this is the season you want to watch for yeah, season yeah, yeah. eight. It's not right, but um, there is certain things that pay off uh, in from this from this season, um, and I'm I'm okay with that. So I mean, it's um, it's okay. 
I mean, we went to this one, this, the season two being widely regarded as one of the worst seasons. Hard to say because I don't really remember exactly all the rest of them exactly perfectly. Yeah. And it's not even about putting them in order, but season two, especially when you first watch it, is inaccessible. Yeah. Um, I can There's see too a, much happening. You know, this first season is pretty tight. Even the first season is hard to access if you aren't able to keep track of all the characters and yeah. houses and new things that you're being introduced to. But I think if somebody as a casual viewer gets through the first season, they might be easily turned off by this one. Yeah, well, it's, it gets ex- exponentially more complicated in right. the second season. Like more stuff, more houses, more like more landscapes, like every, everything, more, more, more everything. And there are some of us like myself who love that kind of stuff with the world building. And yeah, the but I remember things. being confused. Yeah, no, I can, you know? I can totally understand. So um, what else? I'm trying to think, what would be, the, is this season five, I guess, is the, the just, in no, my mind, without having rewatched it recently, I, I remember thinking season five is the worst, just because the thing that stands out the most of that season for me is all the surprise knife deaths. Just, hey, <laughs> episode starts, episode starts, Okay, title sequence. Okay, sit down. Maybe like, oh, here, here's have some popcorn. Oh, and dead. And that, okay. and that character's Bruce, dead. And that character's Bruce dead. Bruce Bolton, dead. Daran Martell, dead. Ariel Hota, dead. With no, like, no setup, no payoff, just done because the show had no room for them anymore. That's also after that season. The Bruce they, one's not bad. It's not great because I feel, I, I, I'm, I'm confident that will happen in the books, but it just, it wasn't built up properly. It was just, it was just a surprise. I don't like that, 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 uh, um, suspense for a surprise we talked about right, that right, right. and that's also the point where they started shortening the seasons and I wasn't happy with that. like five was the last Ten regular season. length yeah. season right maybe they felt like they they, they did that last 10 episodes season like well we don't have enough <laughs> characters stuff. anymore like we don't have enough stuff to fill in the rest of these these episodes we can only but, do but that was by the de- you know? by design I think they were planning that ahead of time yeah I think I think this will go down as one of those shows that the show owners just burnt out and they they, and and to, and to be completely yeah. fair, they still made great TV for most yeah. of the time that they were burning out, if we can assume that. Um, so, you know, season six is great. That's Battle of the Bastards, right? Mm-hmm. It's huge. Plus, the rest of that season is really good. Season seven, two is pretty good for the most part. Except for that last episode. Like, the last episode is arguably the worst episode in the yeah. entire and we'll, series. And we'll, and we'll see what happens with season eight. Obviously, we're all going into season eight with huge expectations. So, I mean, it's one of those things like it's hard to, it'll be hard no matter what they do. For it, I and mean, we're getting into kind of like our season eight stuff, but like, it, no matter what they do, it's going to be hard to live up to people's right. expectations. You know, right. um, they could kill everybody, and that would piss off a bunch of people. They and, could and, kill nobody, that would piss off a bunch of people. You know, they kill off the wrong people, that would piss. You know what I mean? Like, there's no, there's no right way to do it. So, um, all right. I think is there anything else we want to say about season two as a whole? Anything standing out to you is something you liked, something you didn't like. Obviously, Shay stuff really doesn't work for yeah, me. Yeah, you're not a fan of Shay. Um, for me, it's less about you know her character and the way she's played, whether or not she's annoying. It's it's about the way that they changed her character, just like they did with Catelyn, um, who was the other one that I mentioned uh, pre- previous in this. Either either way, it doesn't matter. These characters that they made, the, and Rob too, um, the the decisions that they make and their motivations are changed in such a way that it makes them a bit more not necessarily cartoonish, but more classical fairy tale less these complex characters that are filled with their own motivations and emotions mm-hmm. you know it, for Shay to be the essentially to go from being the prostitute to the the blushing love struck like genuine heartfelt uh lover of Tyrion that stretch. one doesn't bother me as much but you're coming from that from a different perspective you're coming from that from the perspective of what you know her to be from the from, book. from the books but also just think about her arc in the show as well 
Um, it doesn't make a ton of sense. Maybe you know he saved her and she's in a better place because of him. And maybe she maybe she just genuinely grows to like. Yeah, him. I mean, there's like I feel like that's more believable right. than some of the other ones. Right. You know, and even right. like the change they make with uh, with Cat and the decision she makes with Jamie, it still makes some sense, not as much. You know, um, so it's not again, it's not as bad as people say this season was. Right. Uh, there is some bad episodes in it. There, the Danny stuff can feel plotting at times, but it, you know it's a. But in retrospect, again, as a, in a rewatch, you can kind of there's more to that stuff. You can kind of piece together, which is nice. I guess the good thing about season two is there's a lot to unpack, which can from like again from a rewatch perspective gives you a lot to talk about, right? Right. Which is why our episodes stretch to about an hour and a half. Whoops. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, which is fine. Um. Okay, I think that's it. I think we can. I think we can wrap it yeah. up. I guess I would say. Oh, wait. I was going to say what the thing that I liked. All the Stannis stuff. I thought Stannis yeah, was, yeah, I think yeah. Stannis is great in this you season. You have a man crush on Stannis. It's fine. But also that scene, like this, obviously the scene sticks out between Renly and Stannis as being, you know, this awesome scene that we only got one of the entire series. You know, like maybe missed opportunities is one. Yeah. Know. And I mean, in terms of characters that they introduced in the season, there were quite a few of them. He's one of the stronger ones, definitely one of the more interesting ones, and mm-hmm. one of the ones that has a like significant effect on the. the yep. Total story. Yep. I just, I, I, I was genuinely surprised with myself for how much of a Stannis fanboy I became, mm-hmm. you know, at the end. Stan so. boy. That's what, the, that's what his no, fans are called. No, 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 no. Stan, no, 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 I didn't make it up. No, no, no. That's what they're called. That's what no, their no, group no, no, is no, called. No, I don't know. Stans are already a thing that's taken and it's really not a good thing that you should. In, oh, well, yeah. I'm not aware of that. Yeah, <laughs> what you is don't, it? You don't Tell want, no, well, not, I don't want to talk about it. People know and that's shit. No. Okay. Um, and yeah, yeah, that's it. So follow us on Twitter at Tower Babblecast, Facebook.com slash Tower Babblecast, Patreon.com slash Tower Babblecast. That one's important. That's where you're going to find our season eight preview, more of that kind of final stuff that we just kind of talked about, more of that leading into the eighth and final season. That's $5 a month on uh, the Patreon oh, or more <laughs> if you want. Um, what else? Um, like our friend Jeff Spicer, right? Yeah. Well, Every like, episode we have. Yeah. Actually, Jeff Spicer just sent us an email. Um, and he sent in his his death pool picks. So there's still time. Send in your death pool picks, people. Well, realistically, that runs until the end of season eight. Well, not realistically, because as soon as people start dying, those pick, you know, like, no. Ah, you know? yeah. So, yeah, you're right. You guys yeah. have it submitted first. before Exactly. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Um, so get those picks in. <laughs> you can't do it in season eight, episode five. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I got it. Ding, Look ding, how many ding. I got right. You know, so that doesn't work unless they're all still alive. Like no one has died up through you know the fifth episode, which should seem unlikely. Right. right? Uh, all right. What else? Uh, Towerbabble.ca for the website. That's where you can find everything that we do. Links to the Patreon. Links to everything else. Uh, this episode was recorded live on. Uh, not Facebook Live, on YouTube, YouTube Live. Um, we might think about Facebook Live later on down the road, but um, if you want to hear our live reactions um, following the season eight episodes, that's also on the Patreon, and it will be live on YouTube as well uh, for Patreon subscribers only. Okie dokie then. We will be back next week with the season eight preview or, or presumably earlier. Hopefully, um, with the season eight preview, that'll be again up on the Patreon page. You can find uh, your own personal RSS feed where you can download that. Uh, it'll come straight to you, to your your podcast player of choice, or you can go right to the Patreon page to find that as well. 
And uh, other than that, if you have any thoughts or questions about this final season, um, or you just want to chat Game of Thrones or, or whatever, uh, towerrebelpodcast at gmail.com is where you're going to get uh, to send those. Okay, we are done. Let's get into that final season, yeah, though. See right? Yeah. Right? <laughs> I'm excited. This week's Game of Thrones theme is a Seaboard Rise cover. It's one of those squishy keyboard things. It's played by Roly, R-O-L-I, and you can find that work on YouTube. And as always, a big thank you to Jeff Spicer for helping to produce this week's episode. <laughs>